0: This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960,
1: The Fan. I mean, 800 is pretty good. Like I said, I think it's, it's getting closer to 1,000. That's
2: your goal. And uh you're just just thankful you know, to be able to play this game, your passion, you know that I mean, you better it every day, every day of your life. It's a milestone night for Jonathan Huberto in New Jersey, and he's coming off one of his best games as a Calgary Flame. See if he can continue that, and the Flames can continue their winning ways post-All-Star break as they face a familiar friend in Tyler Toffoli and the New Jersey Devils on some Thursday night hockey. Welcome into Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're live in the Doug Lacy's Basement Systems downtown studios on a Flames game day for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. It's dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, it's the Flames and the New Jersey Devils. First visit to New Jersey, first and only visit to New Jersey this season for the Flames. Game 2 of a four-game road trip that kicked off On Tuesday, with a 4-1 win over the Boston Bruins, Yegor Govich returns to New Jersey for the first time. Flames take on their former leading scorer, Tyler Toffoli. Should be a fun night from New Jersey. 4 o'clock, Pat Steinberg has your Flames warm-up. He'll get you set with everything you need to know ahead of tonight's matchup. And then it's Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on Sportsnet 960, your home of the Calgary Flames. We've got a busy show for you. We'll get to Julian McKenzie, our pal from the Athletic, in just moments. He is on the ground in Jersey getting set to watch the Flames and the Devils tonight. We'll get his thoughts on a big win Tuesday for this team and what he's looking forward to tonight. This might as well honestly just be the all-Jersey show. Uh, our pal Adnan Verks, a Thursday regular. We'll find out what his Super Bowl plans are coming up this week, how his dinner with Bob Costas went uh, in New York. You know he's out in New Jersey. Uh, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Plus, I look at the opposition with James Nichols. Uh, he's the Devil's beat writer for New Jersey Hockey Now. Uh, so we got a busy program for you. We'll also hear from head coach Ryan Huska, Jonathan Huberto, and Martin Pospisil coming off of a two-year contract extension on Wednesday that he signed with the Calgary Flames. So it's a busy program for you. Shannon Cameron, my outstanding producers, on this Thursday. Hit us up on the text line if you're listening live at 960-960. But we're going down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline to kick things off. He's on the road, so not with us for the full program, but still good to have my Thursday and Friday co-host along to kick things off. It's Julian McKenzie who covers... The Calgary Flames for the Athletic. What's up, J-Mac? How are you? Doing well, man. Hanging out in uh, New Jersey. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, when we talked to you earlier this week, you were exploring Boston for the first time. Did you get uh, a chance to look around Boston and find some food? What was that like?
1: Um, I thought Boston as a city, I'm going to give it more time on a proper visit at some point. Uh, but I'll, I'll say this. Just like hanging around uh, the area, around the arena, the TD Garden, seeing the great Bobby Orr statue right at the front, like what a great city, what a fun place to to be. And I have to say, like, I never, I had never been to Boston before. I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, I would love to like go back for like baseball game and, and really take in the city. And I'm also surprised at at least just off the few people I got to interact with at how nice everyone was that really threw me for a loop because I thought Boston was the complete opposite in terms of people, but no, I, I I'll, I'll give it its props. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good city. And then uh, getting into New York yesterday, uh, that was fun walking through uh, uh, the city. You get to see every type of person in, in New York city. And I'm going to be in Jersey today for the game. I'm gonna see, hang out in long Island later this weekend. And Then I'll see Madison square guard next week. Like I'm, I'm, this, this thing these things about not be strips, man. Like, to, to see all the people outside the rank and to really experience the city. Like, even if you don't do all the cool touristy stuff, like it's still cool to be in a different environment and take it in and, and just get those different perspectives, you know? So yeah, I've, I've been really enjoying myself. I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm going to nap for a whole day when I get home, but I've really been <laughs> enjoying this experience so far.
2: Uh, so it was the first time in Boston. Have you been to the New York, New Jersey area before?
1: I've been to New York City actually last uh last spring, uh me and a couple of buddies, we hung out in Brooklyn for a couple of days. We watched a WNBA game, went to Williamsburg. Uh it was a really fun time there. Uh, but I've been to like downtown New York. I've I've been to Madison Square Garden before, actually, but it was for an NBA game. It was uh the Mavs and the uh it was the Knicks, obviously. So the Knicks yeah. and the Mavs. It was like a like a twenty eleven trip. I was there like a grad like I was in high school that We were all there uh as part of a grad trip. And the, the Mavs are winning this game and they're showing all the different celebrities that are there, like Henrik glunk is in attendance with <laughs> a couple other uh, New York Rangers players. And at one point in the building, they start playing Justin Bieber. And this is like 2011 Justin Bieber. who so is still like a kid yeah. and kind of like a twerp. So they play Baby by Justin Bieber and they show him on the jumbotron. He's there. Everyone at MSG booed him. Like they <laughs> booed him like crazy. Like I have, there's teachers like sitting with us in like my grade 11 class. And they're all booing him. Like, I figured they'd be like stoic or whatever. They're yeah. cupping their hands over their mouth and they're booing him. The next day on, on ESPN, they, on, on pardon the interruption, they did an entire segment where they talked about Bieber getting booed. It was crazy what was going on. So I can say I was there for that. Uh, never been to New Jersey though. Uh, I'm going to meet up with uh, a friend of mine at some point this weekend and uh, we'll get dinner. But uh, Never been out in Jersey. A very different feel, yes. from uh, from from New York City, obviously. But uh, my my good friend Amanda Stein, who works with uh, the Devils and does some reporting there, says has other great things to say about the city. I'm sure when you talk to um, to and vert Actually, you know what? I take that back because in 2016, I got to 2016 2017. I got to visit the MLB Network and NHL Network studios, which are in Secaucus, New Jersey. So technically, I have been. New Jersey I just remember that but just you know that was a long time ago
2: no yeah it's been a little bit obviously I'll, I'll get Verk to maybe text you some dinner uh, places or something some yeah. places that he goes where with Costas of course right
1: yeah of course <laughs> I, I tried to get uh, I tried to get a recommendation from Kevin Rooney uh, earlier today he was very mum on on this one place that he has he was telling me a story about how uh, he was trying to to get into a place he couldn't tell me what it was didn't have a reservation. He tried to do the whole like phone call, like yeah, like I'm, I'm Kevin Rudy. I used to play here. They couldn't, they couldn't <laughs> hook up. They couldn't hook him up, man. This wow. But yeah, I know. You'd, you'd think, right? But uh, no. I, I, uh, I gladly will take the recommendation.
2: All right. Well, we got uh, lots of hockey to talk about. The uh, road trip kicked off in style for the Calgary Flames. Big four one win over the Boston Bruins. Uh, you were live in attendance. Lots to like from a Flames perspective. What? Or who stood out for you the most in that game against the Bruins, Julian?
1: I mean, everyone played as well of a game as they could play. Like, obviously, Jonathan Huberto is going to dominate the headlines because I think for a lot of fans in Calgary, they've been waiting for a performance like what he did the other night where he gets himself a good goal off a really good shot. Uh, He he gets himself some assists as well. Uh, Playing well with Andre Kuzmenko. There's some early chemistry forming between he and Kuzmenko and Yeager Sharon on that first line. Kuzmenko getting a goal that got a lot of people excited. Uh, Nelson Codry had three assists. It was a pretty quiet, uh, some of the quietest three assists nights I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we, all this stuff happening from the top end, uh, the Mantrapani Backlund coleman line, there were no complaints from them, it seemed like. Uh, and, and all in the middle of that, I mean, yes, he allowed a goal, but Jacob Markstrom, once again, having himself a solid night. I think almost every, even Braden Prashall was. I think he was, he was doing fine in his, in his role, playing alongside Oliver Shillington. Like everyone played as good of an effort as they could play. And, and, and look, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the best game. if not one of the best games I've seen from this team over the last two years. Like, like in terms of a top to bottom finish, in in terms of how dominant they were against a, a really good Boston Bruins team. And look, I mean, the Bruins had that layoff and, they were off for how many days, but the flames had that too. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, fine. Like the Bruins had some guys at the all-star game, but they, can't, they didn't send the entire team to the all-star game. Like I'm still surprised at how listless it, they, they, they did seem. And I'm sure there are guys in Boston who look at that performance and like, Oh, okay. That's not something that's happened a lot, especially if you remember what the regular season was like for them last year as well. So I think if you're the flames now, it's on you to take that performance and find a way to be consistent and continue keeping that going against New Jersey, against the Islanders later this weekend, and eventually against the New York Rangers at the end of this road trip.
2: What stood out to you the most watching Andre Kuzmenko in Flames colors for the first time?
1: That shot of his is pretty good. Uh, Seeing him look comfortable in front of the net uh, on the power play, as we've seen, uh, at least as I've seen early on this week. I think those are among the things that, that kind of stand out. I mean, not going to be the most fast player, but like he does have some of that shiftiness and, and the skills on display, like, like for me, just watching this guy in practice, seeing him try to deke around guys, the fact that he's able to be in game and, you know, do the whole little tweener move where he's able to power to the net with it there. I don't feel there are too many guys on this flames team who can do that consistently, or at least as effortlessly as he can. And I'm not saying he's like this generational player and all that, but like, I'm just saying that in terms of the fact that he's willing to flash that skill, I really think the flames have been lacking that type of talent at the top end of their lineup. And I I think the fact that he's willing to show that the fact that he was able to get a goal as quickly as he did like that, that's obviously something that is going to make a lot of people's ears perk up their eyes perk up as well. And, and I'm sure you saw the flames Twitter afterward. You, you see how the team is celebrating around him to give him the puck. And and he's speaking in front of his guys. Like that's a guy who an easy way for him to, to acclimate himself to the locker room. And, get that connection with players that he desperately wants, putting in performances like what he did against Boston, that's going to go a long way.
2: It it sure did. It sure would. And it was nice to see him. He seems like a really, I mean, you've been around a little bit more than us because we haven't had a chance to see him in here in Calgary, but from what the flames have posted and what we've seen, he sure feels like he's got a bit of an infectious personality. Seems like he's a high energy guy and seems like he just likes to have a lot of fun out there.
1: Yeah, I'm still laughing at the first press conference we had with him in Boston, where I asked him, uh, how did he celebrate his 28th, I think his, uh, his 28th birthday, and he felt like i meeting his teammates, and just meeting the coach, meeting the staff, and then he looked at me, he's like, what do you think? Is that a good celebration? Like, I did not expect <laughs> him to, to do that. But there's some kind of funny affableness of his of his personality that's already on display, and I, I can understand that with the language barrier, fine. It's, he's not going to come across as eloquent as some of the other players on this team. But already in how he seems to conduct himself, at least with us in the media, uh, and, and it seems like with how he's conducting himself with players, too, that's an early – and even with the way Vancouver Canucks fans have been reacting. Like when I posted the video of him skating at practice for the first time, there were there were a few Canucks fans who were – in the mentions being like, man, we, we miss Koozie, Like we loved him. We, we wish him nothing but the best in, 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 in Calgary. There's something about his personality that seems to be endearing, at least in the early days with his new team.
2: Uh, early on uh, the big move with Elias Lindholm, leaving that slot number one center open in the trade, Julian, we got to see Yegor Sharangovich, who's having a great year and will make his return to New Jersey Uh, for the first time tonight slide into that role how did you feel he performed we only saw him at center a little bit earlier on this year in in a bit of a fourth line role as they were trying to get him I think more acclimated to his surroundings and his teammates but that's a, a big opportunity and a big challenge for him to take over for Elias Lindholm how did you feel at least in one game he did doing that
1: it was okay. I thought that line as a whole was 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 good offensively, and I'm sure Brian Husky will have some things to say about how how much better they need to be defensively. But he especially in the case of Huberto, he was able to deliver on that point. Uh, for for Sharon Govich. I mean, he hasn't, hasn't had too many games at center this year. I think a little bit more runway is going to be needed for us to properly assess him. Uh, the faceoff rate has to be better, and that's a little bit that's that's a little bit tough on him considering he doesn't play center all the time, but. Uh, if only 43% from the faceoff circle is not necessarily good enough, but to fill in a guy like Elias Lindholm in his shoes, good luck to the rest of this roster, frankly. Look, Michael Packlin is a reliable center for this team, but you know why he's in the role that he's in, playing alongside Mangiapane and, and and Blake Coleman. Nelson is a good top-six center, but he doesn't have that same skill set that Elias Lindholm has. And I get it. Lindholm's start to the year with Calgary, not ideal. I wonder just openly how much of that has to do with him trying to wonder, you know, what's his future going to be with the team? How come this? How come the team hasn't been uh, negotiating that much with my camp? And, and then getting in, into the new year and realizing, oh, okay, you know what? This is probably going to be the end. I, I wonder why we don't kind of mention those situations more when it comes to players and not performing well. Like, they're not robots. Like, they go through real-world situations like everybody else, thinking about their job security and their future. If you were wondering about if you were going to be making tons of money, or if you were going to be in the same market, wouldn't that affect your, your future? There are some guys who have the opposite effect, who realize what's going on, and they ball out, and they play really well, and you have guys who are on the opposite who are very worried about their situation and are trying to get comfortable. I mean, look, Elias Little in his first game with the Vancouver Canucks did well with them, and, yeah. and, and fine. He doesn't have a contract set up, but at least he's on a new team. Like At least for for the time being, like there's an opportunity for him to do what he needs to do and maybe get to a point where he stays long-term with that. There's a little bit more certainty now, like he's not on that other team. He's on a new team now, like that part of the equation has been figured out. So uh, while Lindholm gets to figure that out for himself in Vancouver, yeah, the planes, I think still have a hole that they need to essentially cover up uh, in terms of his absence. And look, we're seeing Sharon Govich get the reps in now. I think we're going to see more guys get opportunities. Like I, I, I asked straight up, like, are we going to see a guy like Connor Eric play center at some point? And he did. He was open to it, Ryan Huska. I don't think that necessarily means he's going to be playing center on those first line minutes, but for Sharon Govich to get a run, if Zary gets that opportunity, we'll see what else they do in, in that slot. I, I think we're, we're in a period of time at the Flames where we're going to see some experimentation. And if, if Sharon Govich I think was serviceable in that first game, but if he's just – I mean, if that's the best he can bring, or if he's not able to surpass that level, or you see a couple, you know, less than ideal performances at that position, we're going to see some more changes in that center position for for the Flames.
2: It's going to be interesting to watch, and uh, maybe we see more changes coming on the back end, and we see different guys and opportunities there as well. Uh, it's Julian McKenzie along with us. He is in New Jersey, getting set for the Flames and the Devils tonight. Uh, he's joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I wanted to uh, talk to you about uh, Martin Pospisil, Julian. He gets a, a nice contract extension yesterday from the Calgary Flames. You didn't see a lot of him uh, in Boston. He uh, left the game early after an interaction uh, with Brad Marchand. But uh, look, this has been a really fun story this year. And I like how you've, you pointed it out on Twitter. And I think a lot of people have gone to this point that Martin Pospisil was not on the radar for anybody At the beginning of the season, even with Craig Conroy's mantra of young guys are going to get opportunities here. I don't know that he was, you know, the fourth or fifth name down the list for guys who he thought could pop off at the NHL level, let alone earn a two year contract extension. What have you seen from Martin Pospisil this season that made this decision for Craig Conroy to give him a two year contract extension?
1: I think the energy and the willingness to go up against pests in the league like a Brad Marchand, uh, I, I, my thoughts and feelings on him getting the game this conduct are, uh, let's, let's just say, I mean, I, I thought it was a little harsh. Sure. But I, I sure, I, I think that's my feeling on that. But I, I, I think the fact that he's willing to do stuff like that, it's certainly endearing to, to, his, to his teammates and management and the fact that he's been able to contribute some goals in a secondary role four goals in 34 games it's not going to light the world of fire but uh, i think for a guy like him who what, has played like 26 AHL games between this year and last year uh, i know injuries have played a role in in why he hasn't seen that much time but the fact that it is working out for him and he is showing that pace in his play and the tenacity and he's able to provide that energy playing alongside Nazan Kadri and Connors Airy for him, honestly. Plus, they get him at, at a really cheap $1 million per for the next two years after this year. I think it's a harmless contract. I think it's it's more than fine as a guy who clearly is playing himself into the future of this team. You could put him in a middle six or a bottom six if you have to, and having him at a million, for guys 24, still has some, some, some good years ahead of him, you'd think. I think it's a good bit of business for, for the Calgary Flames. I don't think this hurts them at all, and good for him. Uh, getting to talk to him uh, at The Rock today, uh, hearing him mention that he called his parents, he dropped to talk to his brother, and, and he just seemed very much in awe about everything going on. Uh, he went to dinner with Dan Vladar yesterday. He was already paying off that contract. Uh, <laughs> that's a cool story. I, I think it, it's cool for us to root for cool stories, and I think at least for for him with what he's been able to do with the Flames, yeah, man, I, I did not put him among the list of Flames players who would be competing for spots. I thought Connor area for sure would be up there. Would obviously, we put Jacques Pelletier in one of those bottom six slots, but I did not think of Martin Pospisil, and I'm glad that he's proved, good for him at least, that he's proved a couple people wrong in that regard.
2: Uh, last one before we let you go. We saw a bit of a new look fourth line as a couple of Flames made their season debuts in Kevin Rooney and uh, the aforementioned Jacob Peltier. How did you feel uh, they provided for the Calgary Flames in that fourth-line role where Ryan Huskas had to rotate guys in and out all season long? Uh,
1: Huskas seemed like he liked that fourth-line too. I thought they were fine, uh, and they did well. They, they provide some speed. Pelte even got himself an early chance uh, early on in that Boston game. Ultimately, they need to, you know, you're not asking them to carry the offense. You're just asking them to control the game when they can, not make mistakes. Uh, provide good, good, good work on the counter, or, or at least just commit to the offense. I thought Rooney was fine, and, and he's still, you know, catching wind for himself after a long layoff. I thought Pelty was good too. Uh, a doer, maybe you want a little bit more. Obviously, we, we, a lot of people have been wondering, wanting more from him. But I think as a whole, that fourth line, uh, I think they did pretty decently against Boston. It's on them again, just like the rest of the team, to be consistent going forward. Uh, but if you're Ryan Huska. They have at least something to start off on with their performance against Boston the other night.
2: Uh, and I, I lied to you. I got one more quick one for you. This is, uh, the Even first as many as you <laughs> want, logo. It doesn't matter to me. No, I know, I know. I appreciate your time as always, though, dude. But, uh, quickly on this, uh, I should mention it too. It's uh, the first game, uh, Tyler Foley against the Calgary Flames. And we talked a bit about Yegor Sharangovich earlier but should give him some due credit on his return to new jersey because this guy took a lot of heat at the beginning of the season uh and i understand i i've always mentioned this i know patience is sometimes the hardest things for for sports fans or observers sometimes it's hard to wait even 20 games but man yegor sharon early on looks like a very good move for craig conroy and he's meant a lot to this team so far this year
1: I think it helps that he knows what his role is. Like the remember at the beginning of the year, he was kind of up and down the lineup. He started on the top line. then he got moved to the bottom. They were putting him pretty much all over the lineup. And I think when you're in a situation like that, it can be difficult for you to gain your footing and figure out what works and figure out what, what you can do with line mates when you're changing as often as he was. But when the team just said, Hey, we're just going to put you at that right wing spot alongside Elias Lindholm. I think just when he settled in there, like that's, that's what's helped him. I think, and we're seeing a lot of good things from him. He's, he's quick. He has a good shot. He works well on, he can do well on the counter. He could, he scored a shorthanded goal, at least one this year. He can, he's underrated, I think. And, and the versatility of, of his skill set, I think also helps. That's why we're seeing him at center. He can play all three positions on a forward line. Uh, yeah. I, I was definitely among those who who looked at the Conroy move and, had some questions about it. I wouldn't say that I was all the way negative on it. I understood why fans were a bit underwhelmed considering the season that Tyler Toffoli had, but I understood the vision, ultimately, of getting a younger player, having them in your in your roster, plus you get a draft pick back. And in Sunyev, with UMass Amherst, uh, just the stats, of eight goals, 18 points in 23 games, you know, obviously he's young, he's 19 years old, but the fact that they have a prospect in their system Help bolster that prospect cupboard. I, it ultimately falls in line with the vision that Craig Connor is trying to put together in terms of getting younger and getting better quality prospects in their system. I think, at the very least, right now, uh, I haven't looked at Tyler Tofoli's stats, but at one point, like him and Sharon Govich were neck and neck in terms of point production. And I believe Tyler Tofoli missed a, a game earlier this week. We'll see if he's back tonight, but. I think this trade, you could call it an early win for Craig Conroy, as far as I'm concerned, because of the way Jaeger-Sharon Govich is playing, because of the fact that you have a young prospect in your system who presumably will be part of your future for years to come. And especially if Tata Foley doesn't sign back with the Devils after this year, I, I think you're laughing if you're Craig Conroy. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of, it's been really interesting seeing people kind of come around on this trade, and seeing Jaeger-Sharon Govich play well uh, has has played into that.
2: Just for context, uh, Sharon Govich, 50 games played, 35 points, 20 goals. Tyler Toffoli this season in 47 games, 21 goals, 34 points. So he's got a couple games uh, to catch up for uh, with Yegor, but they're almost neck and neck as far as uh, production goes this year. So, uh, yeah, it's worked out pretty well for Craig Connery, and We'll see what happens with New Jersey. They got uh, a big climb ahead of them in the Eastern Conference. They use some points. It's going to be a fun game tonight. Uh, Enjoy it, Julian. Thanks for taking some time out for us, pal. Safe travels uh, as you go across the East Coast. We'll see you back here next week, pal. See you. I miss you guys very much, by the way. I'll see you guys next week. Miss you too, pal. Take care. Peace. See you later. Julian McKenzie from The Athletic, usually uh, co-hosting with us Thursdays and Fridays here on Sportsnet today, but out on the road with the Calgary Flames. Uh, Check in with him on Twitter. Uh, obviously for some updates as the game uh, goes on tonight. It should be a good one. Flames and the New Jersey Devils puck drop at 5 o'clock with Derek and Megan here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's a Thursday on Sportsnet today, which means time for our regular chat with our pal Ednan Verk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this Thursday afternoon. Hour one of SportsCenter today with Logan Gordon. Add Dan, how are you? Logan, what's going on, man? Good to chat as always. Good to chat with you, my Uh I, I really don't want to start the conversation anywhere else than knowing how dinner with Bob Costas went.
0: <laughs> I knew. I'm like, this is where we're going to come across. So It was great. Uh, as I was getting close after we had spoken, and for those that missed this last week, uh, I had dinner with Bob Costas and Ben Manquist. Ben Manquist of TCM, Turner Classic Movies. Um, so Bob knows I'm such a movie guy. As everyone knows, and he said, "Are you tight with Ben McQuaid? I'm not really tight with them, but we texted a bunch. Definitely friendly." He said, "Love to have dinner with him, and you're invited as long as you can pay." I said, "Fine, no problem." So then I texted Ben McQuaid, and he said, uh, "You know, normally Ben lives in L.A. He flies to Atlanta for TCM." But he said, "I'm actually be in New York doing some things." I said, "Great." So we line up to dinner. I talked to Logan Laxer prior to the dinner. I show up just as 't close, Bob He because I'll be about five minutes late. Reservation under my name. I said, "Okay." I showed up five minutes late because I walked, you know, 35 blocks. So I like to walk in, good 50 minutes, good to sweat on. Yep. But I walk in, they're right there at the front. So first surprise is they're right there at the front. I would have thought, hey, you're Bob Cox. you go sit, you know, reserve table. No, nope. when you walk in, he's literally the first person you'll see. I'm like, all right, well, made it easy for me. Uh, and it was great. I'll say this. For three people, who are all hosts. At one point, I definitely felt like I was a host and they were analysts. Now, this is partly my own issue is that I, I, I'm uncomfortable with silence. So if there's a beat or two of silence, I would quickly fill the silence with a question. Yeah. So, you know, one, two, bam, I'd go, Bob, how was the Hall of Fame? Now, Bob starts talking about the Hall of Fame coverage of will MLB Network. One, two, pause. Hey, Ben, how great is Giamatti in the holdovers? Bam, he answers the question. So it was a little bit odd in that I even self-referentially, I was like, I'm kind of orchestrating this. And a friend of mine said to me, because sometimes you should just let the silence go, because then you don't know where the coverage is going to go, rather than you taking it upon yourself that you're hosting a segment. But it's kind of just the way I did it, only because they don't know each other, right? So I kind of feel like I'm bringing them together. You know, it's kind of on me to to keep the conversation going. But it was a really good time. And Ben, particularly, is a terrific storyteller, really funny, lots of uh, great movie stories. And Bob obviously can hold his own. He's telling stories about, you know, his show Later, which he used to host way back in the day. And, you know, uh, all three of us, I would say, are are guys who are interested in lots of different things. So the conversation was primarily baseball and movies, but we could branch into music and, and all that kind of stuff. and. It was really good. And most importantly, as we have discussed, which was the question last week for those that missed it, what do you do with the bill? And what do we do with the fact my wife wants some gnocchi? So we get <laughs> near the end, and uh, Bob knows the guy. His name is Dennis. By the way, it's a great restaurant. I can't remember the name of it now. 65th of Madison. It's like uh, familiar. something like that. So, yeah, you. it's Don't some Italian. We looked food? it up
2: last week, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I had the rigatoni beef sauce. is great. And one thing I really liked about Bob, here's something, actually, that you'll appreciate. I like people that make sure that everyone is well-fed. Like, it's a very old-school thing. So appetizer, he gets the soup. Ben gets the soup. Mike, I'll get one of those, too. And then he says, oh, he's going to send us over something as well, some sort of bread thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Then we order our main courses, and Bob says, why don't we get a margarita pizza as well? We can split that. I go, love that idea. <laughs> so I have to get Tony. Bob goes salmon. Ben goes, I think, spaghetti carbonara. But we also have margarita pizza, which, to no one's surprise, Ben has one slice, Bob has two, your boy Turk has four. I I I came a question all day. I'm like, "No, I hope these guys don't mind I'm picking out, but this is really good pizza." And then I nothing more I hate than a guy who just goes when they say dessert, you get oh, I'm fine. No, no, no. You yeah. don't speak. To the table. And thank God Bob is not that guy. They go dessert, he's like, "Yes, absolutely. Get us some menus." And he told me the biscotti here is unbelievable. I said, "Really? Cuz you might break a molar, but it's fantastic." So he went gelato, Ben went gelato. I don't want to be a guy to copy them. So I go, "Give me something else. I love mm-hmm. York cheesecake." No cheesecake. I said, What kind of Italian restaurant doesn't have cheesecake? He goes, No cheesecake. He goes, but you might like the tartufo. I said, All right, because it's basically chocolate vanilla ice cream. Yeah. I crushed the tartufo. Uh, Bill comes. Bob takes it. He immediately pays. He wants to say American Express card. I, I, and then kind of sat there for a second, and I hesitated. And then I said, I, I can chip in. And then he kind of said something like, No, it's already there. So I'm like, All good. And then like Ben kind of mumbled, uh, We'll get you next time. And then my head, I'm like, There's probably not going to be next time. <laughs> Maybe that's what people say. <laughs> we get up and uh, Bob says that was great. He hops in the Uber back to his place. Um, and then Bang goes, I gotta use the bathroom. We go back in and I pull the waiter aside and said, Hey, can I get an order of gnocchi for my wife? And they go, uh, The kitchen's closed. Oh, and I go, are you kidding? It's, it's 930. Like, I thought you were open till like 11 or midnight. They go, No, no, we, we shut down around 10. I go, A New York City restaurant? That's, that's impossible. And he goes, Well, we stay open for drinks and stuff like that, but the dinner, like, the dinner's almost closed. And I go, All right, no gnocchi. So that was the only disappointment I said when I came empty-handed to my wife, but dinner with Bob Costas. Fantastic. As a matter of fact, he just texted me, I'm not even kidding, 10 minutes ago. He wanted to know if I was on the show tonight, which I'm not, because I did the show the last three days. Uh, they're doing like a Sounds of Baseball special on MLB Network. I encourage people to check it out back home. It's like some of Bob's best calls as a play-by-play guy, which it predates you. Like in the 90s, Bob was like, you know, the voice of baseball calling yeah. games for NBC. So it's pretty cool. man. I mean, you go back and listen to some of Bob Costas. It's like David Justice call, 95 Braves. It's pretty cool if you look it up. But, uh, it was fun, man. Uh, and you you were definitely there with me in spirit. I said, this story is going to go over well <laughs> with our nine audience.
2: It sure did. I was excited all week long to ask you about it. Even my producer, Shan, was like, this is what I'm excited for today. Like, we got a Flames game day going on, and all we want to talk about is, is how Virk's dinner with Costas went. And you, you just you flow it so well. It's why you're one of the greats, Virk, because you just – I don't even have to ask it. I'm prepared to ask it because I know you – and and we're friends and we've done this for so long, but no other guest would come on here and I'd be like, Hey, between you and and Costas and everybody else who picked up the check, I would never, like with (laughs) most people, I would never ask that with you. I'd feel differently, but you're such a gentleman. You're such a professional. You just roll with the punches and you give me the answer. Anyways, it was, it was seamless.
0: Well, that's the key, right? Like you don't, if you're going to tell the story, tell it all the way, right? Don't skimp on the details. So either just say it was a nice time or give me every detail. And of course, most people want to talk money. That's always the most interesting thing. So I'm, I'm not gonna lose that detail. One other thing, remember we mentioned the bottle of wine situation, they don't drink wine. Yes. So that was actually solved early on. He's the only thing to drink. And uh, I said you have any Pepsi. They said no. because uh, we just have Coke. What Next restaurant Latch- is this? Yeah. Thank you. And Ben laughed because you're one of those guys. I go, What? He goes, You'll drink Pepsi but not Coke. I said, That's correct. <laughs> so later on I did cave uh, because Bob ordered a glass of Chianti, the Coke bottle, so that saved me. Because all the glass of Chianti. Ben followed, and then I said, do you have a 7-Up? He goes, no, we have Sprite. I got five. I got five of Sprite. But I was annoyed. So that's how we just solved the whole uh, bottle of wine issue. They went they went single glass. That's it. Light drinkers.
2: The, this is the strangest restaurant I've ever, like, come across. <laughs> You're right. The cheesecake thing, very weird. And yeah. I, when you told me you circled back in because Ben had to go use the washroom, I'm like, this is perfect. Verk found a way right. to politely yeah. get his wife what she wanted. And this whole—you were worried about it before because you're right. How do you subtly order, you know, gnocchi separately and get a separate bill, and you know, you don't want Bob paying for that? And we were talking about this last week. And You're like, I'm kind of don't know what else to do. I thought this is perfect. He's got to use the bathroom. Costas is gone in an Uber, and then the kitchen's closed. Like this place is. I'm glad the food was good, but there were some weird choices here for a New York (laughs) restaurant.
0: Yeah, the food was fantastic, but you're right. Of the three things that are most surprising. No Pepsi only Coke. the fact that kitchen closed at nine thirty or no cheesecake i mean that's that's surprising
2: yeah it's because when I went to New York with my dad a couple years ago, uh, everything's still buzzing around New York at like twelve thirty like you can walk around and there's still there's restaurants going, there's bars open like nine thirty is a weird cutoff time for such a busy city
0: that's what I mean, man the city that never sleeps I, I figured New York restaurants should be open until midnight and I mean, the kitchen, again, 930, man, like maybe in uh, Canmore, Alberta, but not in Manhattan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, camera, the cutoff's like 730, actually. It's even earlier <laughs> than that because we wasn't <laughs> that many people in the mountains. But uh, look, All I uh, know about Canmore, Alberta, by the way, is Jay
0: Onright first began his career in Canmore, Alberta, which uh, I know Jay a little bit only because we both went to Ryerson and uh, we both briefly worked at TSN behind the scenes before he began his career. But I'll never forget, I've been there maybe a few weeks and everyone knew Jay wanted to be on air. It's going to be a big starting because I got my break, my break break. Everyone starts thinking, where? He goes, Canmore, Alberta. And everyone's like, where the hell is that? he <laughs> like, it's a small town. But I hear good things about Canmore. I've, I've asked Jay Simpson. He goes, honestly, Canmore is a good spot. I don't know if it's like a happen in town, but, but pretty good.
2: It's kind of like the. You've obviously heard of Banff. I don't know if you've ever been to Banff, but it's kind of no, the. I've always wanted to go. It's kind of the gateway towards uh, the mountain cities in, in Alberta. It's on your way to Banff. It's. Some people like it because it's not as touristy as Banff, but you're still right in the mountains. Canmore is a great little spot. I I don't uh, want to, it's not a a big city by any means, but if you're maybe looking to stay out of Banff where it can be a little commercial, a little touristy at times, Canmore is uh, an, an equally great spot if you're looking to get some mountain action in Alberta.
0: I love it. Alberta. we're helping tourism right now, of La Familia in New York City and Camera, Alberta. Get your tickets now.
2: Uh, it's perfect that we have you on today because uh, I need you to defend my honor next time you're in NHL Network with one of your co-hosts. Um, not physically, because I don't think even you and me together could handle this man physically, but we, now that international hockey's coming back, uh, we've got, we're getting back into the discussions of who's going to have the best roster. And next year they're doing the four nations face off. It's Canada, USA, Sweden, and Finland. And we got your boy, Mike Rupp out here on Twitter going off that the team USA is going to roll over the four nations face off that they are going to dominate the four nations face off. And I will not dispute that. This is probably going to be the best American squad I've ever seen during my lifetime of international hockey, Virk, but uh, you got to help your Canadian friends out here and remind Mike Rupp of Connor McDavid and Crosby, McKinnon, Bedard. But these are the conversations I'm very happy to start having again. Now that the NHL players are back in international hockey.
0: I love it. Let's go rough up Mike Rupp. We'll do it together. It's <laughs> funny because I always joke. I always joke with Rupper that he seems Canadian because he's such a nice guy. And he's so down to earth, and like even his voice, like I feel like like he's like he fits right in with the Canadian model, of, like a guy who played like in Western Hockey League, like like Ken Danico is like Mr. Devil, but absolutely Canadian, from Edmonton, from Alberta, proud of his roots. Like so many of these guys, you can tell they're their strips. I always joke with Robert because he's a nice guy, and because he was a tough guy, and you know didn't didn't necessarily rely on his skill. Yeah. Like you see him Canadian, I, and he's always been pro Canada, as I have told you, he loves Canadian Smarties. Every time I go back home, he's got to get Canadian Smarties. It's, it's much much better than American Smarties, but. The fact that you start the smack talk now, that's fine. We got Kevin Weeks on our side. We got Mike Johnson at NHL Network, So there's plenty of uh, Canadians there to represent. But all kidding aside, I do love international hockey. Like it's, it's amazing to think about because I'm old enough that I remember what it was like, you know, when it wasn't like that. You'd have players you didn't necessarily know, and just it was good stories of, of you know, obviously you're going to support Canada, but it wasn't household names. And they're making themselves a name for themselves internationally. And that's obviously the world juniors is still huge, but I remember that great run in the early nineties, you know, John Slaney scoring in Newfoundland back in 91. Like it was really cool memories, but once all of a sudden, it was, you no, know, we're sending the best in the world. And, you know, unfortunately there's bad memories like Gretzky, not scoring in the shootout in Nagano, but there's also 2002, which I'll never forget USA versus Canada and you know, the Looney planted under uh, the, the red dot, the face off circle, you know, Crosby scoring the reaction of Gretzky all fired up. Of course, he was the architect of the team. Like it's, International hockey, man, it, it's awesome because there's so much at stake. I remember being at ESPN, and again, you know, hockey's not a major sport in America, but international hockey, as you know, Americans are so patriotic. They'll get behind it. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's people, I could go to ESPN right now, and they won't know anything about hockey, but they all know TJ Oshie because TJ Oshie scored some big goals for USA in an international level at the Olympics. So it's, um, it's gonna be great, man. And for bragging rights, I mean, I better hope Canada wins. Otherwise, that'll be tough to endure.
1: Rupper and these guys for a few years.
2: We're going. Me and Rupper are going back and forth on Twitter right now, and we're keeping it. We're keeping it friendly. We're keeping it good because I, I, that's not a guy I want to get on the bad side with. Because um, he's a frightening human being. Watching him do what he did to other men uh, with skates on his feet. But um, I'll talk hockey with Rupper. I think Canada going to be a great squad. And I like that you brought up too because we've had this conversation a bit since the NHL made that announcement and like you think of great hockey moments and those ones that live with you forever, like unless your team won the Stanley cup, I don't think hockey moments resonate as much uh, as the international ones do. Right? Like I can talk to any of my friends who don't have to be flames fans and we can all get together and be like, yeah, the golden goal with Crosby from a that's one of our favorite hockey moments, but you know, in sport, unless your team wins it, it's not really a special moment for everyone as much as international right. hockey is. And we get to get those moments again.
0: Yeah. It's a great unifier. You're absolutely right. I remember that 2002 Salt Lake city, you know, I I worked at CSN at the time behind the scenes, in the newsroom and like everyone's on the same page. And you're right. If it's individual team. Yeah. Some people are pumped. pump. It's always, some people love the flame. So like, it's not a great unifier the way international hockey can be. And I remember just, it's going to be so much fun. Like the amount of scrutiny just over the selection process, like when when Rob Zambelli got picked, oh my God! Like there was it's that that's how you know hockey is is so passionate, so powerful back home because you're caring about every single thing. And that great debate of do you just take literally the best players, every single star, or do you want to have a fourth line that is a so-called you know checking line? Do you want to have like great penalty killers who aren't great scorers? Like it's a great debate. And you know, generally, I'm the guy saying, no, just take the best players, man. Talent's going to win. You just roll out four great lines, and we're good to go. But it's. It's what makes the game so special, and I, maybe part of what Ruffer's saying, I don't know, you're checking it, but I, somebody had said to me, they like, Canada's not as strong in goal as they used to be. You know, for years it was just, you got Patrick Wall, you have Martin Brodeur, you have Carey Price, you have Luongo. Like, now it's not the same situation. But I, I hear that, but I'm with you. I'm like, dude, the names you just mentioned off the top. Like, last time I checked, we still have Conor McDavid, we still have Connor Berdard. Like, we're going to be fine.
2: Yeah, the goaltending one's the biggest one that comes up because Canada, you're right, doesn't have – the pipeline's dried up a little bit. There's some guys that are having good years. Tristan Jari's Canadian. Uh, Stuart Skinner in Edmonton is another one. Aiden Hill in Vegas are kind of. Even Bennington in St. Louis, who won a, a Stanley Cup, he's a bit of a hothead. But, um, you know, it's not nearly as, as deep as the, the Americans with Hellebuck and Demco and, and their kind of thing. I guess the only thing I'd ever say about the goaltending, and I'm curious if you agree, you only get to play one goalie at a time. So. You can have five starters, and that's great, but you only need to be as good or close to as good as one guy on the other side, and you've got a ton of scoring talent. I still think Canada's top-end talent is is still the best in the world, and that's where me and Rupper are disagreeing because I just don't see any team, I don't see any collection of players dominating a team that has McCar, Crosby, McDavid on it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy because, like you said, we not only have offensive firepower, but then defensemen who can be offensive defensemen. Like, that, to me, like ultimately, I'll just take strong skill level above anything else. Like, of course, in the in the grand scheme of things, you need to have work ethic and character and devotion, all you know, a great culture. I got sure. that. Yeah. but this is a start. this is right. This is just two weeks. We're just we're just the best team wins. Like that's it. So I'm like, dude, if I have the best players, I'm going to win. So we have the best players. Period. Like like you can only overcome a lack of talent like in the regular season you can do that because if you have you know exceptional hard workers who are smart added players and always make the right play etc then then you can win but ultimately if you give me like a bunch of grinders or this is the best talent i'll just take the best talent especially for a short run like that where everyone's gonna be committed towards the ultimate goal which is winning yeah. so uh, i'm with it man i just like talent wins and and i like your point about the goalies you're absolutely right logo like yeah hello buck's awesome okay but he's only one guy and if you just Again, I'll, I'll take the overwhelming talent. And for our guys, you're right. If Jari gets hot, of course he can be great. You know, Bennington can be good. Like, it's, it's not the same pipeline as the past. But, again, with that kind of talent, I'll, I'll take a, a so-called weak spotting goal.
2: Ed Edverks, along with us, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast, our Thursday regular here on Sportsnet today. Uh, before I let you go, what's uh, your plans on Sunday? Do you have any, uh, anything lined up with the boys for watching the Super Bowl?
0: Yeah, so my wife's actually a 49ers fan, and I say that by including the fact that only she can name one member of the defense <laughs> I tested her earlier in the week, <laughs> unavailable to mention Fred Warner. She, she's aware of Purdy, uh, McCaffrey, and George Kittle. So we okay. got three, so that's the that, good it's news. Not bad, yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah. So we're going to be supporting the uh, the team in red because going back to her days, uh, living in the Bay Area, obviously with Montana and Rice and all the rest of it. But it's funny, my second son, Dean, is not a sports fan at all. He's 12. I love him. He's a great kid, but not a sports guy. But he's going to watch it. you. You want to know why? Because the SpongeBob. He loves watching Spongebob, and he's been seeing the commercials for the the Spongebob Super Bowl. So yeah. basically, I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but they're going to air the Super Bowl. Fellow Canadian, great. Nate Burleson is going to be the main guy. So he's going to be on the Super Bowl on CBS coverage. But then the Super Bowl, it's going to be on Nickelodeon. And they do like, uh, they've done it for a couple of years now. I've never watched it. But now, this year, I told the DNA hey, I'll watch it with you. Like, All right, I'm in. So one TV, I'll be listening to Nance and Romo, and my wife will be screaming at the TV. And then one TV is going to be on the Nickelodeon. Super Bowl extravaganza where they have slime on the field and like Patrick Mahomes turns into Patrick from SpongeBob. So I, yeah. I'm really curious how this is going to go. I, I've heard good reviews. I've heard kids enjoy watching it. It's good for parents. So I, I don't know, man. I can't imagine watching the slime Super Bowl, but I'll be doing
2: it. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that because uh, it's definitely something I followed along with too this season. And for us, even for you and me, Virk, it's like that doesn't appeal to me. It's not a big thing, but they've done very well with it. It's it's turned into. Uh, from all counts a pretty successful venture for them, bringing young kids to, to watch NFL football, even if, like you said, your son, not a big NFL fan, he wants to check it out on Sunday, right?
0: Yeah, it's not really, you know, anything in life, if they do it more than once, then that means it works. And I don't know off the top of my head, but it's going to be at least a third or fourth year they've been doing this, so clearly there's a market for it, and kids are watching it, and you're going to get a total sum of whatever the number is, 100 million, 110 million people watching it, it's going to be awesome, so... I look forward to the game, man. I'm still shocked the Niners are the favorites. I'm not sure about the latest betting line, but I I keep saying, man, and I I lived through it, as you know, as an Eagles fan a year ago, we were the better team, had to lead at the half, but you never bet against Mahomes and Andy Reid, especially making their halftime adjustments. So I think it's a really big challenge for San Francisco, but if Purdy steps up, and I think most importantly their defense, and you and I both know the Lions went up and down, especially running the football against them in that first half. If Pacheco starts getting early yards, you're making things easier for Mahomes on, on second and short and third and short. It, it could be a long day for San Fran.
2: Yeah, it still looks like San Fran, most places favored by a point and a half, which you know, might as well be a pick them, but still interesting that they went to yeah. that side of the ball against the team that's been there so much. So you're cheering San Fran, but what does your heart say? If you had to pick today, who you think comes away with it on Sunday?
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, man. I, like I said, I'm cheering for San Fran, but I think ultimately it's really hard to against, go against Mahomes, Andy Reid in that pedigree. So I'll uh, I'll say thirty-one twenty-one KC. How's that?
2: We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to text you after we're done this. Our pal Julian McKenzie, uh, who's usually on with me Thursday and Fridays, he's in New Jersey to catch the Flames and the uh, Devils tonight. Nice. He needs uh he might need a dinner recommendation from you for a spot in New Jersey if you got anything <laughs> for him. So.
0: Uh, I was going to recommend Bar Italia. 65th
2: <laughs> Madison, New York City. He's a Coke guy, though. He's a Coke. He won't go. He likes He likes cheesecake and Coke, Virk. He can't go there.
0: Uh, tell him to drop Bob Costa's name. The guy running it, his name is Dennis. Just <laughs> say, Dennis, Bob Costa sent me. Julie will have a free meal, it'll be amazing. <laughs>
2: uh, you're the best, Virk. Always appreciate the time, man. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll chat with you next week. You too, Logo. My pleasure, man. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to soon. Thank you. Adnan Virk joining us. Down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Our Thursday regular from the MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Didn't even get to chat movies with Virk. We were so busy today. Uh, but great stories about having dinner with Bob Costas and a little bit on international hockey. That guy's uh, just one of the great guests that we have here on Sportsnet 960. I uh, wanted to remind you, uh, our Beer League broadcast coming up March 22nd. Just over a month away at the Flames Community Arena. Our teams are set. Morning show is going with the dream team. Afternoon show is going with the Arctic Monkeys. Each team receiving custom jerseys. Thanks to our friends at Tuxedo Source for Sports. We're going to have an after party at Wild Rose Brewery. Serving up premium craft beer to Alberta since 1996. Whether you're looking for a finely tuned craft lager or a robust porter, they've got something for everyone. Find them around Alberta and at their tap room in the Curry Barracks. Live play-by-play of all the subpar beer league action. Starts with puck drop at 630. You want full details on the event, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Hour 2, next, Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.